You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Steve McCoy from 360 Church in Sarasota, Florida. We hope this message inspires you to press beyond ordinary. Uh, We continue this chapter, uh, there's a collection on um, the good fight. And I always just like to take a minute or so just to bring everybody kind of up to snuff if you happen to be coming in here in the eighth inning. And so we, we recognize that in our life, everybody has tension. There's tension in politics. There's tension in the news. There's tension between countries. There's tension between counties. There's tension in homes. There's tension at work. There's tension. We all face tension because we're, we're, we are human beings. But there is a supernatural tension that we face. We are in a warfare. A lot of times when people, they exchange their old life for Christ's new one, they think, man, this is all glorious and butterflies and love. And partly it is. There's a deeper level of peace within us. But sometimes it takes a while to recognize, like, hey, I'm not, I'm not just on a cruise ship. I'm on a battleship. And so when we, when we recognize that, sometimes it can be surprising that we're in a fight. And some people are like, well, I didn't even sign up for that. So I think it's worthy of talking about so that no one is surprised. Second of all, I believe that there are good things to fight for. This is why Paul said that at the, at the end of his letter to Timothy, his very last thing that we have recorded that he wrote, I have, I have fought the good fight. And the reason that we're talking about, another reason that we're talking about this is because at the end of our lives, we will want to have poured out our lives for the right things, so that at the end we look at Christ. I don't think that he's just going to look us in the eye, to be honest with you. I think he's going to embrace us. I think he's a, yes, praise the Lord. I think, he, I think Christ is a hugger. Now we'll just see. <laughs> and, uh, and if you say to him, I fought the good fight, wouldn't it be cool if he just says, I know you have. I know you have. And that's just going to be a glorious moment. And sometimes people are like, oh, I'm going to be worried that, you know, he's going to point out sin. It's gone. You see, I mean, we're going to get there and like, he's going to say, what sin? I can't see it because you have, I have obliterated sin by the power of the blood that I shed on Calvary's cross. There's not that. Sometimes we forget that because we sing about it so much that we can overlook, wow, that is incredible. In fact, I don't know if the tech guys can do this. I want to see, I'm test you a little bit here. I don't know if we could go back to the second song and the second verse of the second song. And if you can't, that's okay. You can just, uh, yeah, cut my mic off or do something. Huh? All right. <laughs> So we'll, get, well, I'll give you a little bit of time to to do to play around that with that, and uh, if you can if you can mess with it, and we can get it. That's cool, but you'd have to take the title slide. There you go. That's beautiful. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's that's impressive. Yeah. Can you go back four weeks? Third song, second disc. <laughs> All right. Never mess with the tech guys. By the way, they they can cut you right off, man. <laughs> so. I know we sang this, but I'm going to sing it now. No, I'm just kidding. I'll tell you again. I just want to read it together because it struck me today. I woke up and sometimes you are trying to, since God, where are you leading? You know, is the Holy Spirit changing some direction here? And uh, as I began to wake up this morning, I'm like, hey, there's a different, there's a different 
wind channel that I sense. And then we sing that song. I'm like, dude, this, okay, God, I got it. And I'm just going to alter a little bit what we're going to talk about uh, because it just hit me how darn blessed we are by Christ. And I'm not saying because we live in a country and we've got peace and we've got all the things. Those are great. Now I'm talking about that our sorry souls were saved by a Savior on a cross. I mean, that, that in and of itself, forget where you live and forget all the comfort we have, and blah, 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 all that stuff. Because sometimes we count it as a blessing. I think it's a curse, to be honest with you. You know, all the comfort we have and all that jazz. But I want to read this out loud together. Okay, here we go. Our Savior displayed on a criminal's cross. Darkness rejoiced as though heaven... Let's just stop. Like, just think in that moment... All the angels of hell, the fallen angel, were like, yes, we killed the hero. And then we read the next one. But then Jesus arose with freedom in hand. And next, that's when death was arrested and my life began. Now, can you go back to the very first verse of that? Is that this is the second song, right? Okay, yeah. All right. Alone in my sorrow, let's read, and dead in my sin. Here it is. Lost without hope, with no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in. When death was arrested and my life began. This is life-changing for every single Christ follower. Some of you may have come in today, and man, you're like, I, I'm trying to figure this thing out. I really relate to that, because I didn't exchange my old life for Christ's new until I was in my 20s. So it wasn't when I was four, you know, so there was very conscious uh, wrestle, struggle, and, and challenge with this. And so this is a very real thing for those of us, but the challenge is that we can sing it over and over and hear it over and over, and it's like special effects in a movie, so, you know, I went to see Mission Impossible. I'm like, dude, I, I, I need a brain break for about eight hours because it's not enough anymore. It's like we're addicted to special effects in our culture. And after a while, we can be addicted to uh, uh, and just get used to, maybe inoculated by the greatness of the grace of God and forget there's a world outside and maybe those here and maybe those watching online that haven't experienced that yet. Here's the bottom line before we get started. It's not ours to keep. And I gotta tell you that I've had meetings for the last two or three days with people that would be subject experts, subject matter experts. uh, what I mean by that is they, they share their faith, my wife being one of them, they share their faith so openly, and, and I'm learning f- from them and have this burden personally to say, ah, I have to do this more. I have to, to have, but it starts in the heart. That's where we established yesterday. It starts in the heart, and this is what we're talking about today. What we're talking about today, as of today, is this, that the that we ask God to have empathy, to fight the good fight, to have empathy for those who yet do not yet know Christ. And to renew that in, in some of us, to ignite that in some of us, 
to keep that going for some of us, but it is a real thing. We've been looking at this good fight, and it is a fight, by the way, that is very close to Jesus' heart. And so he gives two commands, and the, and the commands are, you know, someone, hey, what's the greatest command? Speaking of the Old Testament, can you nail the, the top one? You know, people ask that, hey, what's your favorite song, or what's your favorite pizza, or what's your favorite, they were saying, what's, your, what's the best command, right? They were asking Jesus, and he said, well, there's actually two, and we spoke about one last week about the allness, right? Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, allness. But then we focus today on the second one. And Jesus, in Matthew 22, said, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as you do yourself. And to be honest, there are times where I'm reading the Bible like, dang it, I wish he hadn't put that in there. You know what I mean? Honestly, if you said love your neighbor, okay, that leaves a wide margin, but it's the qualifier that causes us to fight. Because life has a self-centric magnetism. We are born with a self-centric magnetism that wants to take care of ourselves naturally, and there's nothing wrong with loving and taking care of yourself. But then Jesus comes along and says, at the same level that you love yourself, you have to love your uh, others. Now, if we turn it toward gospel, the sharing of the gospel, what we just read, we are recipients of of a Savior who has died for us, and as we enjoy that life in Christ, we must say to ourselves, others have got to experience this like we have, or otherwise we are just keeping the greatest thing in the history of humankind all to ourselves. And God would say, well, that's not loving someone else as you've loved yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because the entire Old Testament, as Jesus was writing in context of that day, all the law, all the prophets, every single one of them, all hang on these two commandments. That would be a wowza. The entire, you know, people are like, oh, I can't understand the Old Testament. Hey, welcome to the club. We all can't understand all of it. So it's daunting. But I love the way Jesus said, let me give it to you in a nutshell. Love God with all you got and love other people like you love yourself. Okay, what's the next question? Jesus was always like, well, I guess that covers it. In Galatians chapter 4, a little, in the old, a little later in the, in the New Testament, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor, there it is again, as you love yourself. In James chapter 2, another place in the, old, in the New Testament, if you really keep, I love this, the royal law, <laughs> found in the scripture, which is love your neighbor as yourself, then you got it, you're doing it. When Jesus began to explain this and talk about this second and equal command, others around him, of course, began to pick at him. I know nothing about that as a leader. <laughs> they began to pick at him and said, okay, but who is my neighbor? And so Jesus said, well, let me tell you a story and he told a story about what we now know as the story of the Good Samaritan. A guy's going down the street, basically, he gets robbed and mugged, he's laying there half beat to a, to a pulp, and uh, by, the, by the curbside, some people are walking by, and the Samaritan, as most of us know the story, goes and helps the guy. That's how he was explaining who my neighbor is, because the people he, were talk he was talking to 
hated Samaritans. There was a racial and ethic and historical divide, ethnic and historical divide. And so he says, hey, let me, one of the guys that walked by, a priest happened to be going by, let's pick on the pastors first. A pastor happened to be going by down the same road when he saw the guy who had been mugged bleeding out his nose and he passed by on the other side. And at that moment, Christ would say, you see, you get the picture? Because if you were laying there with blood coming out your nose and maybe missing a tooth or two, wouldn't you want someone to come over and help? Wouldn't you want, wouldn't you want to have that experience? When I was 22 years old, I got mugged in Boston, beat to a pulp, laying in a, a street, in a, in a dead street. I mean, and, and the only reason... They just kept beating and kicking. I couldn't speak for days. My face was so swollen. They kicking my ribs and, and uh, two guys. And I believe that God sent an angel, to be honest with you. There was a car in this, this dead, abandoned street that turned the corner. And uh, I rolled into the street and put my hands up and for them to stop the car. The other two guys ran into the darkness. They were going to wait until... You know, the car passed and come back and take all of my $14 is all I had in my pocket at the time. And I begged them. I begged them through this, oh, please, as I'm talking like that, let me in your car. And they were reticent, you know, to, obviously some crazy guy laying on the street asking for a ride. And I said, just put me on the hood and at least get me three blocks down the road where I got a head start. And they rescued me, maybe saved my life because they took me in because they didn't pass me by. There are people in every cubicle beside us and every home beside us and every family member that have been mugged by a supernatural enemy. And whether we know it or not, they're crying out with everything that they're doing. How do I know? Because I did it. I had many uh, methods, even as a 20-year-old, to rescue myself, to make my life feel better, whether it was ambition, whether it was entertainment, whether it was pleasure, all those things. It's a cry out to say, I haven't found my rescue yet. And as we look at the world, instead of becoming angry with them, we have the compassion or we can pass them by. But if we pass it by, Jesus said, well, we're breaking the royal law. We're breaking the royal law. So when I, when I look at the good fight, here it is for today. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. Each of you should not look only to your own salvation. How about that? Your spiritual interest, your highest spiritual interest is your relationship with Christ. To not only your own interest, but to your own salvation from that angle, but also to the salvation of others, to the interest of others. Your attitude should be, oh, daggone it, there it is again. The same. <laughs> love your neighbor as, the same as you love yourself. And now, now we got to have the same attitude as Christ. The same mind. And so he is saying that we, the good fight is to care enough, to have empathy enough for those that are hurting, got it. 
But today I, I have the sense that we need to just reignite, refire this sense for those who don't know Christ. To have empathy, to try, if you're like me and you've come to Christ later, but to have empathy or to even imagine if you came to Christ as a, as a kid, to imagine what it would be without Christ. And to try to get God to infuse in you this sense of empathy and compassion for someone who doesn't. Otherwise, my experience is, I don't give a rip. I was being straight up with you. If God hasn't done something inside to create a burden, to create a weight, to create empathy for those that don't know Christ, in those moments, I'm too busy. I'm more interested in tasks than I am the salvation of others. How about you? Somebody say yes. <laughs> so we go to the story of Joseph. We've been tracking through the story of Joseph. And because Joseph is a, is a, a picture in many ways of Christ. He was loved by the Father very uniquely. He was rejected by his own. He was sold into to, to others. Joseph was sold into slavery, trafficked, and then trafficked again. He was put into a tomb. He was put into prison. He came out when he was 30. God rose him out miraculously when he was 30 years old, put in charge of many things, the great distributor for, for the world. And so we see Christ's picture in there. Again, we're going to see a marvelous picture of Christ today. Now, when his brothers, he had 11 brothers, he was, uh, 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 so there were 12 sons. He was the 11th son. He was special because he had been born, this was the first son born to Rachel. If you know the story, if you don't, don't worry about it. But it was a very special. He had one kid brother since he was 11. And his kid brother's name was Benjamin. It's going to play into the story today. When he was sold, when he was trafficked, he was 17 years old. Just think about that. My youngest son is 18. I can't imagine being trafficked. It is such a horrendous, inhumane act. He was trafficked at 17 years old. He came into power. At, God took him out of prison at 30. And now we're going to see that the brothers, because of the famine in the land, were forced to go down to Egypt. And they probably didn't, they had no idea dad, Jacob, thought Joseph was dad, dead. And they had to come to get food because now, because of the plan that Joseph had, they had plenty of food for many countries. And now the brothers are coming and there's kind of a cat and mouse thing. And then at one point, the brothers realize, wow, this is Joseph. Their assumption their assumption that Joseph, a picture of Jesus, was mad at them. The assumption of many people around the world is that God is mad at them. That they've done something wrong intrinsically. They know that there's something off between us and God, and it is. It's called sin. That's why religion has given birth, because religion tries to make you feel better about it, but without taking care of the real problem, which is giving it to Christ, trusting completely in Christ, trusting in his work, not ours. And yet the brothers come and they're such a great picture of the world because they have assumed without meeting Joseph, they have assumed without meeting Jesus, uh-oh, I'm in 
this, he's going to be super angry. And they can't imagine that after they've done this inhumane thing that they could be loved by the very one they rejected. Oh, my goodness. This is the gospel according to Genesis. According to Moses, who wrote, who penned the words. Uh, words. This is the gospel according to Joseph. So they come in front of him, and then they, they're called in, and this is what they say to one another. Surely we're being punished because of what we did to our brother. They haven't even recognized him yet. Just think about it. At this intersection, historians think that Joseph is now 39 years old. For 22 years, for two decades, their sin has haunted them, has driven them, has caused them every day on the farm, every day when they're herding cattle. What they did was, was in their minds because it hadn't been taken care of. And they didn't know how because the world doesn't know how. They think how to take care of it is come to a mosque or come to a temple or come to a church or start acting better or clean their act up or quit cussing or quit drinking or quit smoking or quit doing whatever it is and then I'll be right with God and they wake up and the next morning like, dang it, I'm still the same and I sense something is, is off with me and God because they haven't made that connection with Joseph yet, with Jesus. This is the empathy that I think God would stir in our hearts, not because, hey, you don't believe in God, I'm going to shake the dust off my sandals and move on. Really? You mean like the guy that's mugged laying by the street? You mean like Steve McCoy laying on the spiritual street, mugged with blood coming out my nose and missing a tooth, spiritually in desperate need of God? And you're going to pass me by? And you say you love me as you love yourself spiritually? You see the picture? And so Joseph, surely we're being punished because of our brothers. We saw how distressed he was. This is a little nugget of the story we see. Back 22 years ago, they remember clearly that when they were going to sell Joseph, we saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for us, like, please, guys, don't kill me. It's only a coat. It's only a coat. Please, guys, don't kill me. Can you imagine? Don't forget this part of the story because it's going to come back. But we wouldn't listen. We wanted to kill him. That's why this distress has come upon us. And Reuben replied like a good older brother will. Well, didn't I tell you not to do it? <laughs> didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? Because he's the one that saved Joseph's life. So let's just traffic him instead of kill him. No, but you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. Watch. Because they didn't realize that Joseph could understand them. They were speaking in Hebrew and they were in Egypt. Bigger picture. <laughs> There's no way that God could understand my junk, my dirt. I mean, that was thousands of years ago. There's no way that Christ 
could understand. So many people believe that. There's no way that they didn't know that Jesus could understand them since he was using an interpreter. And he turned away from them, Joseph, and he began to weep. This is a picture of our Savior. He didn't take his finger out and point it in their face. This is the great news that we get to share with the world. We have a Savior that weeps over your brokenness. We have a Savior that loves you anyway. We have a Savior, the very one we've turned against. This is the great message that we are allowed to take to the world. And there's, there's Joseph, a picture of our Savior, weeping over their brokenness. Like, oh my gosh, they've carried this for so many years. So just, there's some practical takeaways, I think. Like, okay, how do we, you may be, okay, I'm not there yet. I'm not super concerned about those around me that don't know Christ yet. I'm not there yet. I, I don't feel anything. So I think there's some practical things that we can do that we see in this story. Here's one. The first thing we've talked about already. We relate ourselves, their lives, and ourselves together. I remember what it was like without Christ. I remember what I remember how desperate I was. I remember that. I remember how selfish I was and my ambition was everything. As a musician, it was everything. I remember how I worked so hard to, to be successful and to be well-known and all those things or whatever the thing that you, you may say, I remember how hard I used to party and just think I could find that life and I thought it was so fun and I'd be empty in the middle of the night. I remember how I chased you know, uh, men, women. I remember how I chased business and whatever, all those things, right? God's like, stir that up in us. Watch this. Jesus says these words because they said, you know, the the brothers said, I don't know that he can understand what we're saying. Translate, we don't know if Jesus, for we don't have a high priest, speaking of Jesus in Hebrews. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every single way. Was Jesus tempted with women? Yes. Was he tempted with addiction? Yes. With, with self-centric egoism? Yes. Every single sin Jesus was tempted at. So guess what? He speaks your language. He understands. That's super great news. <coughs> Uh, where are we here? Good grief. He was tempted in every way, just as we are. See, that? Ah, that's such a connection. Yet he was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace. Let us tell others about the throne of grace with confidence, because he speaks our language just as we are, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That word sympathy is interesting. It's like symphony. S-I-M, S-Y-M is the, the prefix means with. Pathy, sympathy, is like pathos. He is with us in our pathos. Like symphony means with phonics, sound. You can't have a symphony, as I said this morning, you can't have a band with one guy. 
Although there, I didn't know a guy in St. Augustine is a one-man band. <laughs> Have you ever seen those guys? A big bass drum, a thing, a washboard. You do this and be a tambourine. They got to play out in the streets. And uh, I, literally, there'd be 300 people just throwing cash in like this jar. I'm like... I have worked all my life to learn how to play Beethoven, and I got 14 people showing up to a recital. Waste a lot of money. But my wife and I have been talking a lot, especially her to me, about sympathy versus empathy. Because Christ was not only sympathetic, but he was empathetic. And empathetic, the the prefix means in, not just with. In pathos. That means that I am... I am in this because I can relate to that. If someone says, man, I flew off at the handle at my teenager so much that I'm embarrassed how angry I got. If you say, wow, that's too bad. Wow, that sounds like heavy. You know? <laughs> I'm with you. But if you say, I've done the exact same thing and I know how crummy it feels like, bam, you're in them and not just with them. Does that make sense? It's a big deal. He's empathetic. Exodus chapter 23, verse 9. Here it is. Are you ready? In the law, it says, do not press the alien, the outsider, not from Mars, (laughs) the alien, because you yourself knows how it feels to be aliens separated from Christ. See, he's tapping in like, don't forget, even as we sing every Sunday about amazing grace and Christ died and a sin was arrested and all the death was arrested and all that. Don't forget what it was like before then because it will just not have that, that fire for others. So I'm driving home this week. I was out early in the morning, out uh, east doing some exercising i'm driving home and uh, it was thursday thursday morning and i had to get home and get ready get ready for a meeting so just a wee bit impatient driving and i i get behind this minivan who and when you're coming down honore there's the traffic circles right who is treating every traffic circle like a four-way stop So I'm like, oh, I'm so aggravated. After like the fourth one, I'm like, just let me get out and explain how this all works to you. Of course, in a very kind, pastorly type way. And then I saw it. And I saw the little three heads bob up. I'm like, oh, this is the first day of school. And I remember what the first day of school was and how utterly insane it is. Oh, somebody just vomited up their milk? Not a problem. (laughs) Someone pulled their glasses off and broke them in half. I mean, it just gets nutty, right? And she was being extra cautious because she had the three most treasured things, people in her life. And then the next thing was like, sorry about that, God. But it was only empathy. It was only because we've carded kids for years. We've had the throw up in the backseat. We've had the broken glasses. And then when you've gone through it, you like suddenly, I get it. 
Take all the time you need at the next traffic circle. To a degree. (laughs) Here's the second thing. Back in Genesis chapter 43, deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Benjamin, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. He went into a private room and he wept there. The only reason he could see Benjamin is because he got close enough. The first principle is this. We have to empathize with people that don't know Christ, how that used to feel, or if you came as a kid, imagine what that would be today without Christ. The second thing is this. We have to get close enough so that we can sniff and smell in the relationship. If we don't, We'll never love people. That's why Jesus sat with sinners. That's why he ate with them. That's why he spent the night with them. Slept under the stars with them. That's why he invited them. He invited thousands to his block party. And he he served Long John Silvers. (laughs) Right? He had a good time. That's why he went to a wedding and turned water into wine. That's why he broke the rules on the Sabbath. That's why he broke the rules to sit with a woman all alone at a well. It's because he wanted to get close. What if the woman came to the well like, dude, can't get close? Zacchaeus, whoa, you're a cheater, can't get close. Nicodemus, you religious, stuffed up, tightly wound dude, I can't get close. It's only in getting close. At the Samaritan story, but a Samaritan, by the way, who was empathetic because he had been rejected for so many and mugged by the Israelites for so many years, by the Jews for so many years, that he understood what it was like to be rejected. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. He didn't cross the street. And when he saw him, just like Joseph saw Benjamin, he took pity on him and he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. You see, the good fight is to say, that's how I'd like to be treated. Joseph sees his brother because he's close, and he goes into a back room and weeps. We will weep in the privacy of our own rooms when we are publicly with others. If we're not publicly with others that don't know yet Christ, that don't yet know Christ, then we will not weep in in the privacy of our room like Joseph. Galatians chapter 2, or chapter 6, verse 2, carry each other's burdens. Well, you can't carry anything unless you're carrying, you're close to them. And then this way, there it is again, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Someone introduced my my wife and I, we had dinner, and they say, I want you to meet someone. And uh, and this was, uh, in fact, a friend of ours, Doug Martin, uh, ABWE, the vice president of uh, Jim Child's mission uh, uh, organization. And so he said, hey, I want you to meet this guy. He's a re- remarkable young man. And uh, he gave me some facts. I was talking to him last night on, on just a few weeks ago, uh, July 22nd, this young man, Ryland, accepted Christ in his life. And Ryland reached out to his sister and uh, led her to Christ and um, and then I'm like, this is remarkable. And he, he said, he, he shot him a text and said, hey, I just kind of 
I just want to review your story. And he said, um, this is what Ryland said to my friend Doug. Also, just last night when I was praying, I felt something strong. And I accepted the Lord as my Savior. And I thanked him for all he had done. And how he died on the cross for our sins and how much I love him. And he means how much I love him and how much he means to me. And that you led me to him because Doug got close to him and brought me closer. And without you coming close to me, I would not now be close to God. So thank you for bringing me closer to Jesus. He's 12 years old. One of the most articulate kids that I've ever met. We were, we were like, wow. And, and, and uh, Doug said, hey, Ryland, tell him what happened to you with Christ. And automatically he said, he was in church the following Sunday. And he said, I just want to make this public. He turned to his mom, took her hand, said, come with me. And he took his sister and said, come with me. And God is moving in the family. There's one more left. Stay away from Ryland if you <laughs> Stunning. It's because they got close. Here's the last thing. We'll close with this. We do have to keep in mind the bigger picture. So we have to, we're asking God for empathy. Hey, help me remember what it's like or imagine what it's like without Christ. Number two, got to get close, right? You got to ha- have lunch. And there's a variety of ways to do that. Hey, let's just have lunch. We've got a coffee. Hey, you want to play croquet? It doesn't matter. And the final thing is the, is the bigger picture. This is who we are. This is who God calls us to be. When we go to a football game, now this is the part where I get to step on our toes a little bit, mine included. Do we go for the action or do we go to watch the huddle? Class. <laughs> We're going for the action, right? The huddle's a hassle. Like, you just got to pick up the ball. You know, that's why we like the two-minute drill. Like, hey, they're, they're going without a huddle. They're, they're, man, this is action after action after action after action. Nobody watches a football game. Hey, hold up, guys. They're in a huddle. <laughs> this is the huddle. The world is not changed by just looking at us huddle. The bigger picture is when we say, 43, Red Canary, hood! <laughs> I used to play a lot of football, but it's hard, hard to tell me. Watch this. Joseph, what a picture. If you ever want to know what Jesus is like, read this story. He's standing in front of his brothers who assume that he hates them. And all of a sudden, he's like, man... He couldn't control himself before his attendants. And he cried, I need everybody to leave my presence. So there was no one there with Joseph when he made himself known. So it's Joseph and now the brothers, and they got to be thinking, man, this is when he kills us. And he wept so loudly that the whole world around him knew that he was broken for them. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. And when they heard him, Pharaoh's house heard about it, like Joseph is crying for the guys who trafficked him, who wanted to kill him. That's who Jesus is. That's his heart. 
And here it is again. They didn't realize that Joseph could understand them. Oh, yes, he can. Yes, he can. I just want to end with this quick story. I know I'm running a little uh, late. I just got another 40 minutes to go. So, <laughs> A friend of mine, I saw a post of his on Facebook this week. And he um, is an air pilot uh, for a major airline. And he wrote this story. He says, in 1972, think about that. How many years ago is that? 50? 50 years ago, I couldn't decide if I should buy an old car with the money that I had saved as a cave guide and mowing lawns or should buy this Getson Eterna Severinsen model trumpet to play in the high school stage band. The price was about the same for both. I bought the trumpet. That same trumpet got me into college in the summer of 1974. But then I learned to fly, and I realized that I wanted to make a career as a pilot. Fast forward to just a few weeks ago, when I was having dinner at the, a restaurant here in St. Petersburg. I was able to meet a professional trumpet player during his break who was playing there that night. He plays a mean trumpet. But what makes him unique is that he only has one arm. He lost the other some time ago in an automobile accident. He said he'd like to find a trumpet like the one he had years ago due to its lighter weight, being able to hold it for longer periods of time with just one arm and, and the sound quality. He was looking for a 40-year-old Getson Eternus Severson trumpet. I told him that I owned one that wasn't making any music in the storage building. And as of tonight, my 45-year-old trumpet is back to work again. He asked me how much I wanted it for it. He said to me, it's been invaluable, and I can't put a price on it. It's yours for free. This is the picture of the great treasure that we carry to the world. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this amazing treasure of the gospel. Help us not to forget, God, what it was like, what it would be like without you. Help us to get close, God, and help us to not forget the bigger picture of this is who we are. We're going to pray, God, for those that don't know you yet in this moment. And if that's you, listen, we, we love you, but God loves you a heck of a lot more than we do because we're not perfect. But God loves you with a perfect heart. He's not angry at you. He's weeping because of the brokenness and the attempt to find peace and joy and happiness. God, we ask God, you do something special right now. Move in your Holy Spirit. We're praying, we're asking that. Listen, if you're here today, maybe you're online, you're watching, you're listening, you're at home, you're sitting at your kitchen table, you're sitting at a private place, you're taking a run, you're in a car, wherever you are, you're sitting in this very room. Jesus is broken for you and so broken that he, he did something about it. And he came and he laid his life down to shed his blood as the perfect lamb of God. And you may not fully understand that, but I will tell you this, he is the only way to find God. And his blood is your only rescue. And that may seem just crazy, but listen, instead of you dying and being punished for your sins, 
he himself was punished and in, in a great mystery, profound. He took your sins so that you might find forgiveness and new life in him. If you just come and say, God, I trust in Christ right now, would that be your prayer? See, I don't have to convince you because I believe the Holy Spirit is moving in your life and he can convince you. And if he has caused you to be so hungry and thirsty for him, speak this from your heart, not just parroting my words, but you can pray along with me. I trust in Christ alone, God. And I want to be a child of God. I want to be right with you. Is that your prayer? You pray along. I turn my life 180 degrees and I come. With all my brokenness and imperfection, God, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Is that your heart? I am a sinner, I need a savior. Father, I'm asking that you give birth to a new life in me. Forgive all my sins. Wash them all away, every single one. Thanks for understanding me. I trust in Christ alone. Is that your prayer? We love you today, God, because you've loved us first. We follow you today, God, because you pursued us first. Thank you for being incredible. Help us not to forget it, God, when we walk out those doors. We're, we're getting ready to break, break huddle. Thank you for joining us. And special thanks for those of you who give generously to make this ministry possible. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can also subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information about 360 Church, visit us at the360church.com.